0: Okay, here we go. We all have something in common this morning. Every one of us. So look around the room. You have something in common with everybody in this room. By the way, I'm not going to let you sleep. So get ready. I sat all over this building, and I know who sleeps on Sunday mornings. It ain't going to happen this morning, so get ready. So we all have something in common This morning, it may not be our sports team that we support. It may not be our financial status. It may not be our education. And there may be other things that we can think of or say about in our lives today that we don't have in common. But the one thing we all and look at that word in capital letters, all have in common this morning is sin. Every one of us. Now I know we can sit here this morning and say, oh my goodness, he's going to speak on sin? You better believe I am. The reason why I'm going to speak on sin is because I don't think we take it serious enough. I think in life today, we just kind of take our Christian walk sometimes, not all the time. We just kind of take it and say, well, you know, I'll do that thing one of these days and I'll continue to live and act and do the way that I want to. And one of these days when I get older, I'll get serious about this stuff. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to break the word down. I got... I don't know, 15, 20 questions. We'll be out of here about 2.30 or 3. Eutychus went to sleep, didn't he? he no, hang in here. So I got some questions this morning for you, for us to think about. So wake up. Question number one, who sins? Romans 3.23, Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Our thoughts might be, well... I don't see it much. You know, I'm a pretty good person overall. You know, I'm pretty good. Or we can sometimes have the attitude of the Pharisee and the tax collector. In Luke 18, 9 through 14, Jesus says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank You that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10, John says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He's talking to us today about this. But if you walk in the light, it's His in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us From all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I'll let you think on that a minute. I apologize, results of throat cancer. It is easy to see the seriousness of sin. And how we are all affected by it. Question number two: if we're all guilty of sin, then what is sin? First John 5:17, John says, "All unrighteousness is sin. Sin is doing the opposite of what God says. There you go. Pretty simple and easy. If we' are not doing what God tells us to do, it's sin. Romans six thirteen. Paul says, "Do not present yourselves members to sin. Do not present yourself members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness." So when do we sin? James 1.15 says, Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we, we sin when we give in to sin. That's when we sin. We're guilty the minute we begin to engage in sin. And we're going to get into what it is here in a minute, so hang with me. Let me give you an example. What if you decide to rob a bank? Is is it sinful to consider robbing a bank? No, it's not sinful to consider robbing a bank. But it's not a good idea. uh, When you begin to prepare or actually rob the bank... You have now sinned. Desire does not always mean you are sinning, but it is when your desire is acted upon. But, because I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, but some thoughts in itself are sinful. A person can sin by certain thoughts. Well, What would that be? That would be lust, Matthew 5:28 says, "Jesus says, "But I say to you that if everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart." Sin is a result of wrong desires, which has been acted on, or in some cases, desires which are wrong in themselves." Now let me go back. We're all guilty. We all have it in common. Unfortunately, why do we sin? Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna show my age here a minute. There used to be a when I was young. There used to be a show on that was uh, a comedian. His name was Flip Wilson. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? Or am I way too old? Flip Wilson was a comedian that would dress up, and they would ask him sometimes why he did what he did, and his answer was always, the devil made me do it. That was the quote that Flip Wilson always had. The devil made me do it. <clears throat> you know, also, besides uh, using the devil as our excuse, we also sometimes love the blame game, don't we? Well, well, my fault is his fault. Well, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have acted that way. He shouldn't have said that. And if you all recall my prayer when I started, I'm preaching to myself before I'm preaching to y'all. So we live a, live a life today of where we just absolutely have sin around us at all times. James 1, 13 and 14, James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. That's what it's about. It's when we get into stuff we shouldn't be getting into, and we know better, but we do it anyway. That's what it's about. Temptations are put out there by Satan. But we decide for ourselves to consider the temptation. <clears throat> you know, I teach or talk to my teenagers all the time. I know everyone one of them's listening. I teach and talk to my teenagers all the time. I also talk to the Yak group. And they hear us a lot. They'll continue to hear it. And every time I stand before y'all, I'm going to preach it. It's all about our environment. I'll give you a minute to think about your environment. It's all about our environment. Who do we run with? Who do we hang with? Who do we talk to? Who do we text with? Our environment is whoever we are with outside this building. Because we can all come in here this morning and be dressed to the nines. And look pretty and look good and walk in. And can walk right out those two doors and be something totally different. It is all about our environment. Who are we hanging with? What are we doing? So we had a conversation not too long ago. Gavin. Where's Gavin? Gavin. Gavin! There's Gavin. We had a conversation not too long ago, long ago in one of my middle school classes. And we were talking about this very thing. We were talking about environment. And Gavin said something to me that it stuck with me. And I thought, wow, what a... Smart, intelligent young man. Thank goodness he gets it from his mother. So we were talking about our environment and how things are and how uh, things, you know, we can't sometimes control it. So I looked at Gavin and said, Gavin, what do you mean by that? Gavin said, well, Mr. Ronnie will ride a school bus. And he said, on that school bus, there's a lot of language used that shouldn't be used. And he said, I can't do anything about it. I'm trapped, so to speak, being on that bus. I said, Gavin, what do you do? He said, I look out the window and try to think about other things. That's a young man that's trying to do his best when he's in an environment he can't control. Man, if we had more of us like Gavin. <clears throat> It's our own here we come, with two words that most of you know I really like. It's our own human nature to be drawn away by desire and enticed. I love the words "human nature." You all know why? <clears throat> Not all the time, but a lot of time. we use the word "human nature, the term "human nature because we like to use it as an excuse. I'm not saying we do all the time. But to me, the reason why I do not like the term human nature is because we can say, well, that's just human nature. And then you look at the situation and you say, well, you use human nature because you don't want to be bold and strong and courageous enough to try to change things. So we just use excuses and we excuse our disobedience, which is wrong. And I'm talking to myself. So let's talk about sin for a minute. What sins are mentioned in the Bible? Well, let's go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the likes like these. Last five words. And the likes like these. That does not mean that's all there is. It means there's a whole lot more. A whole lot more than just these things. I warn you as I warned you before. And if we don't listen to anything else we hear this morning, we better listen to this. And this is not me. This is God's Word. That those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Colossians 3.6, Paul says, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now we all hear, oh, he's, God's a loving God. God's a patient God. God's a peaceful God. He is all of these. But the problem is, we don't want to really look at God. And God is a God that says... My wrath is coming. So we better do a better job or need to do a better job of looking at where we are in life. So here we go, next question. And this is a one <clears throat> that is really, I've scratched my head about since I was old enough to really understand and being mature enough to try to live the way I should. How about the sin of forsaking the assembly? And I know some of you are going, "Uh Uh-oh, now he's gone to meddling." How about the sin of forsaking the assembly? I never have figured this one out as to how we can have so many here on a Sunday morning. And I don't mean just here. In my lifetime. And then you look at that board and you can look at this one right over here. Where in the world are those people? that were here this morning. And why are they not here? Well, let's look at it. Our worship attendance should be a good habit. We understand there are those who can't be here. And I understand, we all understand. Shut-in, sickness, there are legitimate reasons, and we understand those. There is no replacement for what God commands. We should be an assembly of God's people. We, had, we have had this issue before the pandemic, but I think now it's an issue that's even worse than what it used to be because it's so convenient to sit at home with a cup of coffee, watching it on the TV with your little slippers on on a Sunday morning and saying, well, I'm worshiping. I'm partaking of the Lord's Supper. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Well, let's think about it for a minute. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. If you've never really paid much attention to this verse, this is an interesting one to me. Luke 4 16, Luke says, And he came to Nazareth, talking about Jesus, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. I have underlined in my Bible those four words. As was His custom. Because Jesus went to worship. He went to worship. He assembled with those in the faith. And we know Jesus was a Jew. So He went to the synagogue. But we assemble here this morning as brothers and sisters together together. To assemble is a command. It's a command. We are told to assemble. There are three good habits about attendance that I want us to discuss. Number one, if you're not here, <clears throat> what does it say about your heart? Colossians 3.1, Paul says, If then you have raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God. So if I refuse to attend, what does that say about my focus? What are distractions that cause us not to be here? Well, you know, NFL is going to be playing this afternoon. You know, we had family come in from out of town unexpectedly. We teach. Y- y'all expect me to bring them to church? Well, I had some friends that came over. And we decided that we needed to sit around and reminisce about good times with each other. Well, you know, it's hunting and fishing season, so I've got to get out there and get that done. So we can come up with all kinds of distractions and reasons for not being here. And the one I love the most, I've heard this one so much in my life, is, well, it don't say nowhere in the Bible that you've got to be at church on a Sunday night. I just love that one. That's a heart issue. That's what that is. We can also be here all the time, but also not have a relationship with God. So in other words, we can be here this morning and we can be here tonight and we can be here Wednesday just going through the motion. I'm not truly seeking and going and looking for a relationship and trying to be who we need to be for the Lord. We're just kind of going through the motions. Matthew 6:33 Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we forsake the assembly with our brothers and sisters, are we seeking the kingdom first? 1 Peter 2, verse 17, Peter says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Do we love the brotherhood? if we are forsaking the assembly. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So forsaking the assembly is a heart issue. Number two, as to good habits, it edifies a church. The church is the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How can we stir one another up to love and good works if we're not together? 1 Corinthians 12, 19 and 20, Paul says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body Paul's talking about one body and one one body with one members. In other words, we're all in this together. Being Christians, being a part of this congregation, living for the Lord, trying to get to heaven, we're all in it together. No matter how insignificant we feel. And I'm gonna tell you, I have a high school education. That's all I have. Never went to college. I grew up going to the school of hard knocks. So if anybody can feel like, well, I just don't feel significant. But that's not what God's Word says. God says it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It's what you do with the talent I gave you. That's what matters. It strengthens the church to be together. We need to be together to hear the Word of God. Third one, it executes the command. Second John 12, John says, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather, use, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Face to face. That's what he says we need to do. We need to be together face to face. Have you recovered from the pandemic? Have we recovered from the pandemic to be face-to-face? Or are we still using the pandemic as a reason for us not to be together? God commands us to assemble. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, As you see the day approaching. We need to keep each other stirred up and encouraged. Guys, if y'all don't live in a crazy world like I do, y'all need to tell me where it is you live. Because that's crazy outside that door right there. Man, if you don't believe that, just turn the TV on. It's crazy. Why in the world would we not want to be together every opportunity we get? We are to be here to exhort one another. Exhort means, definition, to strongly encourage or urge someone. All right, next up. Where do sinners go? This is not real hard, is it? Where do sinners go? Romans 6.23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. James 1.15, James says, Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Romans twenty one seven and 8. John says, The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, as for the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Revelations 20 verse 10, John says, And the devil... Who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and false prophets were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. First John 3.8 John says Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Let that one sink in. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 1 John 3, 9 No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in Him and He cannot keep sinning. So let's talk about one other thing. Convicted. Mr. Don and I talk and a lot of times he brings up the word convicted and has really been sitting on my heart for quite a while. You know, if we discuss things in life, we have a strong opinion about them. Or someone says something about our family, whew, we're ready to let them have it. Are we not? You talk about me, but you better leave my family out of it. Is that not the way it is? Do we have the same conviction when it comes to our walk with God? When people say stuff about our Lord and Savior, are we ready to fight? Or we just laugh it off? Benita and I this morning is coming in listening to a sports talk show. And the guy was making fun of church. Can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of, well, we're having church this morning here on the radio And he proceeds to start just making fun of the church. That's the world we live in. We hear that daily. Can people see by our Christian lives that we're convicted? And I know we have the attitude of, well, you know, I'm a good person. and I come to church every once in a while. I come on Sunday mornings and... And don't say I have to come on Sunday nights, but I'll be there occasionally on Wednesdays. And, you know, I'm a good person, and I'm doing the best I can do. And so let's look at that in the attitude of my life otherwise. What about your job? Do you have the same attitude towards your Christian walk as your job? Well, I go to work, and I'll miss a couple of days every once in a while. And, you know, I'll just kind of do my thing. And I'll try to work when I can work and, you know, just the boss wants me to do something, i give him half heart on that one. You know, I'll just do a little bit here and a little bit there. Just enough to get by. Look at your Christian walk. Look at how much Bible study time we spend. Look at how much prayer time we spend. Are we convicted about our spiritual walk? Or are we just going through the motions? And you keep hearing the word we, because I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because I need to change and I need to do better. We've got to be convicted. We're all in with our sports teams. You don't believe it? Ask me about a certain football team that plays college. Boy, they looked bad yesterday. But different story, different day. Are we the same way about our relationship with the Lord? If we're not, it's a heart issue. Alright. Now here comes the good part. You got me? Can you hear me? We all have sin. We all fall short of God's glory. We all say and do and act in ways that we shouldn't. But the good news is Jesus Christ. He came to this earth. He lived. He died. He gave everything for us. We have that hope of eternal salvation with Him. And when we walk out that door... And we see people on a daily basis, they should see a difference in our step. They should ask us, what is it about you that's different? And our response should be, I'm headed to heaven and I hope he comes back today. Because I know I'm going to be with the Lord. That's how we should live. That's how we should be. So here's the greatest thing about all of this. Great and bad. Hopefully you can see this. This is sin. This is the world. So in life, we're enticed by sin. In life, we do things we shouldn't do. In life, we use the UL. They don't say I should go to church. Excuses. And guess what ends up in our world and in our lives? That's how we look. Because we're full of sin. And then we keep on sinning. And that's how we look. But then we try to change. Then we try to live closer to God. Then we start studying. Then we start doing the things we need to do. Then we become a Christian and we give our life to the Lord because of what He has done for us. So we give our life to Jesus for His tremendous sacrifice, for Him taking away our sins and when we become, when we are baptized and we start living for him, he takes the sin away if we'll live for him. And we keep pouring ourselves into him, and he keeps cleansing us over. And over and over if we have a repentant heart if we have a heart of saying I'm father I messed up again please forgive me please help me not to be like that please help me not to do that this is what he will do for us and then what did he do on that cross he died on that cross for everybody sitting in here everybody sitting in here, he gave his life for us so that we could be in heaven with him. So Jesus Christ took the sin of the world. Bear with the bottle. And there's no sin in him. He took our sins away. And He has no sin. The most wonderful thing about this is if we do our best and we live for Him and we don't play around with sin and we don't go through the motions of life and we are convicted to live for Him, this is how we're going to be. He will come back one day. And this is why I have had so many people talk to me about this, and I'm proud and happy to do it, to say, wow, I can't pray like you. I can, because I hope he comes back before this worship is over, because this is how I'm living. Am I sinning? Yes. Am I making mistakes? Yes. Am I perfect? No. No. But I'm trying to do my best to live for him and be convicted to him. That's how we need to live. We don't need to go through the motions in our Christian walk like we do in our worldly walk. We need to give him everything we've got. Because he's coming back and we're going to stand before him. And he's either going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or he's going to say, depart from me, you wicked individual. That's the great thing about what Jesus Christ did for us. He took it away to where that we can stand before Him and say, Father, I want to be in heaven with You. That's the glorious, exciting, most wonderful thing about being here this morning. It's not about going through the motions and saying, well... Got my check mark for this week. I went to church feeling good about myself. It's about being in here to worship with brothers and sisters and exhorting and encouraging each other to live for the Lord so that we can all be in heaven. That's where we all want to be. And that's the exciting thing about this is that if we just give Him our lives... And not go through the motions if we are Christians. And if we're not Christians, man, let's talk about it and let's study. And let's get our lives right. So that we can all be in heaven with Him. Yes, we're still going to make mistakes. Yes, we're still going to say and do things we shouldn't. But if we have a repentant heart, He knows our heart. And if we ask for forgiveness, He will forgive us. So do your best daily to live for Him and to have a spring in your step because we belong to the Lord. If there's anything that you need this morning, if you have sin in your life, and everybody here does, and it's something that we can pray with you and help you with, or if you're not a member of the church and you want to talk about it, And you want to be baptized, you want to study. Whatever we can do, we are here to help you in any way we can. If you'll stand and sing.